Welcome to Sadaka. We are very happy to welcome Mr. Kuldeep Singh Lamba, Managing Director of Al Melam Group, to our show today. Well, Mr. Lamba is one of the earliest Indian entrepreneurs to come here to Kuwait, and his story is an inspiring one. It is a story that I've been wanting to narrate and tell for a long time, and now Sadaka has given me the opportunity to do so, and I'm, this makes me very happy, because it's a story of resilience, a story of courage, of enterprise, and of vision. Al Melam Group today is one of the largest in automotive products and the number one in tires in Kuwait. And today we've divided the show into two halves. In the first half, we will be speaking to Mr. Kuldeep Singh Lamba, and in the second half, and we'll get a perspective of what it was like, the past, the challenges, the triumphs that he faced, that he mm, experienced. And in the second half, we will be joined by Gurvinder Singh Lamba, popularly known as Choji, by his friends and colleagues, uh, Mr. Kuldeep Singh Lamba's son. And he's the president of the group and the COO of the Al Melam Group. And from Choji, we expect, uh, who is a, a second generation Indian in Kuwait, we expect yet another perspective. And he's also, he's also the president of the Indian Business and Professional Council Kuwait, a very important organization. So we'll be talking about that as well. Welcome to Sadaka, Mr. Lamba. We are so honored to have you on our show. Thank you for giving us time. Very kind of you. And I am very happy to meet you. And whatever questions you have, I will try to give you answer according to my own knowledge. Thank you very much. I have known Mr. Lamba for a very, very long time. Uh, I'm friends with his daughter-in-law, Raji Lamba. Every time we meet, no matter, you know, when we've known each other, like I've known him for more than 15 years now. And every time we bump into each other, he always has a kind smile and uh, a kind word and a warm smile. And it's always uh, a pleasure to meet you. That is the only free thing I can give you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the only free thing you can yes. give me. <laughs> Everything costs money. Everything costs money. Is costing, no, no cost. Absolutely. The businessman talking here. Okay. Mr. Lamba, I want to go back to your, uh, to the years when you first came to Kuwait. Uh, when when was that? Because my, you know, I tell you my old story because I was born in Jhelum in Pakistan. Uh, you mean in undivided India? Yes. Okay. And uh, my, I was born in a good family, quite not very rich but quite wealthy family and everything was nice. But 1947, my age was eight years. When the partition of India Partition of India happened. And then I had to move with my mother and my grandmother to Amritsar. Mm -hmm. And then stayed one month in Khalsa College in a camp. And after that, we moved to Ambala camp, refugee camp, where mm -hmm. I stayed for five more months. So I have, my background is quite difficult background. That's right. I mean, now uh, for people like me, for example, the partition of India is something we read about in our history books. But uh, for people who lived it, and I, I have first-hand accounts from my father, my dear departed father, it was traumatic. It was one of the most traumatic incidents to happen in modern history. And uh, to be a part of it, to, yeah, I tell to have you, seen I have it, seen you know? blood with yes. my own eyes. Trains, they used to come to Amritsar from Lahore. Uh, 
and from Amritsar to Lahore, everybody they used to butcher both the sides. Mm -hmm. And I have seen when I was eight years, I have seen all that blood in my life. Still, I when I think those times, I can't even sleep then. I can imagine. Because that was something very bad. I can imagine. But anyhow, mm -hmm. things were... But I don't want to therefore ask you a question which I uh, usually yeah. ask my guests and I ask them about their strongest memories of their childhood because I think your strongest memories would have been marred by this, this particular but I incident. I am proud and happy to tell things because facts should come out. That's right. And more than a million people were killed at that time. Yes. Anyhow. And to rise above that but is, to, is, takes a lot of courage. I tell you, but uh, my mother used to cry in the refugee camp and there. And I was a young boy. I was keep on playing left and right, jumping left and right. I was not bothered at that time. Mm -hmm. It was age. That is right. You, then you. my father came and uh, we got him. They used to announce. Uh, about uh, the names of come, people who, people have, who, who are come. coming, who are there. So anyhow, he survived, and and he was a luckily educated person at that time. Okay. And he got a job in railways immediately, and he. Where got, was this? Where was this? This was in uh, 1948. You can see. And which beginning. part of India was that? That uh, in Lucknow. In Lucknow, which is UP. in Uttar Pradesh, yeah. Uttar Pradesh, and then we got a house. And money-wise, it was not big money at that time. The salaries were not that high That is salaries. right. But you settled down slowly. Uh, slowly we settled down and I was also struggling. Uh, I struggled a lot. Mm -hmm. And I could not get proper education and I just finished 10 plus 2 in the night college. I see. I, I heard that you start working at the age of 15. Is that uh, I right? I started 15 when I was and uh, in a workshop. But I used to get very little money. So that was my expenses because I had a younger brother and a younger sister again. So my had parents, they them. had to take care of them. So things were moving. Then my mother's cousin, they used to live in Kuwait. Okay. Uh, Baba Hari Singh was my grandmother's younger brother and my uncles were here. So they actually called me here. Okay, so it became like a natural choice. I mean, it was not that it was planned. No. But it like happened it organically. It happened yeah. because they were here and my grandmother requested them that take my grandson to Kuwait. And at that time, I was telling you the fact that I thought this is a part of Iran, Persian Gulf, they used to call at that time. Yeah. But uh, when I came, this was Kuwait, and uh, there was no port. Mm -hmm. We used to stay, ship used to stay after eight days or nine days sometimes okay. in the sea. Yeah, and uh, then I think you used to take a small boat yeah, small and come, boat to, and come, uh, to, the come to the land, to the shore, come right? To the shore. Yeah, yes. That was... But that was good because uh, when you are young, you can manage all those things. And you don't mind because you want to make your life. That's right. You have this, this courage. Uh, courage and this, uh, you know, this thing to prove yourself. Yes, this I mean, was to make something, something out of your life, then right? Then I worked with my uncles, you can say, about two and a half years. Uh, two and a half years or 
eight months more. And then I decided that if I work for them, I will remain a, a, worker, a, worker. a worker and I will never grow in my life. I see. So then I started looking and, and those years, these uh, taxi drivers, they used to sell visas. I see. And I got uh, one visa by paying 600 rupees. When, when was this? I mean, which, what, which year are beginning we talking about? Beginning of uh, 1960. 19, beginning of 1960. 60 or so you bought a visa for 600 Indian rupees? Yes, it was. 600 Indian rupees. They were Indian rupees only. I know, in, the, in those days, right? Yes, they yes. used only rupees. It's yes. only after 1961 61, then that the they stopped. Yes, started. that dinar started. And, uh, and then I... So you bought the visa for visa, 600 rupees? It used to be return visa. Okay. And then I found that this Al-Malam, Ibrahim Al-Malam, okay. used to visit, buy some batteries, buy some tires, buy some from our place. So he, they had no business. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me, why don't you come and join and start our business? So when I decided to leave my uncle's place, there was big fight in the family. Yeah, also they didn't because want you to start they didn't by because, they, because I was a good worker mm -hmm. and I was a hardworking mm -hmm. young boy. Mm -hmm. So then, but they were all upset anyhow. Mm -hmm. But I decided to leave. You had decided. How old were you then, Mr. Uh, I was at that time of 20 years. So at the age of 20, 20, 20, you, few months 20, maybe. Uh, 20 you decided that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, yeah, that yes, you wanted to do a business. Business, right? to start my own something. Yeah. And then I started actually working with Ibrahim Al Malam. Uh, they had, they did not give me big money mm -hmm. to start with. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was struggling and uh, really struggling and then the company in 1965, the value of this company, with the, according to the balance sheet, came to about 23,000 dinars. Not bad in those days. Yes. Not bad, I see. And uh, then I decided that because I was getting an offer from Al-Bishar Al-Kazmi mm -hmm. to be a general manager because they were Firestone Tires agent. Mm -hmm. And they gave me a lot good package. And I told Malams that uh, I am going to leave you and start on my own with Al-Bashar Al-Kazmi. But then Fahad Al-Malam, a most intelligent man in that family, he suddenly one evening came and took my hand and said, you will not go anywhere. We are four brothers and you are our fifth brother. So you take 20% share of the company of the Prophet and uh, you don't go anywhere. So and you became a partner? Partner there and then uh, uh, then slowly I started making money, growing company. Then I started in reinvesting my money in the company. So how That's how Al-Malam Al grew. Yes. That is how Al-Malam grew. I do want to ask you, Mr. Lamba, about what was life like in Kuwait when you came, which was, I think, 1957. 1957. And, uh, Life and, uh, was very hard. How? Yes, it was. Life tough, right? was very hard. There was no air conditioning. There was nothing. How did you all manage? I mean, we cannot even imagining, imagine living without air condition. How did you, you used manage to go the to heat? Seaside sometimes. Okay. 
and sleep there. I see. It was very hot. Uh -huh. Or sometimes we used to, uh, there used to be wooden cases. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to get a lot of batteries and wooden cases uh -huh. and put some water on wooden cases and sleep on that. I see. Yes. It was so tough. Huh? So tough. Yeah. And what was, what did Kuwait look like then? It was it all was, like... Uh, Mud, mud brick houses. Bricks, few brick, very small, but mostly mud houses. Mostly mud houses. Yes. No, the kind of buildings that, I mean, uh, you know, no big villas, no big... Uh, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah. No, that was no a very spheres. different time. This is before yes. the... This, uh, before Kuwait was started exporting oil commercially. Yes. Right? Uh, and what was the community like? What were the people like? Uh, were there people, Indians as the well? Indians were here. Uh, I tell you one thing. They, Kuwaitis, they used to like Indians from the base. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because they used to go to India to have their... Uh, education. Edu education and also everything. Yes. All the commodities, Business. everything they used to Commercially, bring. yes. Commercial, they come and mm -hmm. they were... So they used to like Indians. Okay. Anyhow, anyhow they used to yes. like Indians. And okay. I tell you that Indians were well respected even at that time. Yeah, but we were not uh, many then, right? It was like, uh, it was a smaller community. Small community, yes. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then... I don't want to forget mm -hmm. that when Indian school started, which is called Indian Community School That's now. That's right. Uh, this was in 59. I, they started with about five or six students only. Mm -hmm. Because these all the senior Indians, they used to send their children for education to India. I see. But then they decided to open a school and in Nigra, they started in a house and uh, Mrs. Sethi used to be one teacher and then with five or six. And I used to carry one, one student from different places sometimes. And I see. That this was, was the when? base of... When, when was this? It was in 1959. 1959. And was it the first school to be... Yes. school to be established in Kuwait? Yeah, then it was too small, but then slowly, slowly... Started growing. Growing and things were coming and... Yeah, that, that and was now the base. I, I must tell the listeners, uh, the viewers, that uh, in some of the Indian schools, we have around... Uh, some of the Indian schools in Kuwait have a capacity of 5,000 students. So yes. that's, that's the growth, you know. Yeah. Um, it's been a huge growth. Now, I, what were the challenges you faced when you uh, uh, co-founded Al-Melam? What was the challenges in the challenges, growth of the... Challenges, you see, the life was very hard. Okay. And to establish a company from a scratch and with little money, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I was really working, you can say, a salesman. Yeah, okay. A driver. Achha. And also tire picker. Okay, you did everything basically. Uh, I, basically, I did everything because I don't have, I did not have any help yes, that time. Yes, yes. And we could not afford to give money to others because it was small money. You can see the struggle, therefore, that a person uh, who, uh, who started his business from scratch uh, had uh, had to do everything. There was no ego involved. There was no no such thing that this job is not meant for me. And uh, basically did everything to make the business a success. How many employees did you have in Almelam in those days? What in would those it be? Days, I, Three, four? I was alone. You were alone first, and then within after two years, I got one Yemeni fellow, okay. which used to call Mahari. I see. Uh, okay. We used to call this, you know, they, they used to have lines on their faces. I see. Really? Yeah. Okay. Three lines, left and right, 
So I had one person with me, so Babarak, and then uh, after that in 1967, I got another one or two people, slowly started growing. Very slow growth. Very slow growth. Yes. And uh, A lot of blood and tears have gone into some of the biggest companies uh, run by Indians uh, here in Kuwait. Did not happen in one day, did not happen in one decade or even two decades. And that is something that people here in Kuwait have to, I think, realize that the amount of effort and courage that went into building some of the biggest companies. Yes. Right? I tell you, but uh, I, I, have, I am a God-fearing man. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this is the fate. Uh, whatever it is written in your future destiny of, from God, it comes through. Mm -hmm. But main thing is that if you are an honest man, mm -hmm and a hard-working man, you want to take a piece of cake only which is to your share. That's you don't right. want to eat others. Somebody else's, yes. Then there is a lot of blessing from your ancestors, your seniors, and from God. That is true, and that is true. That is, yes. which I believe, uh, now wherever I go, then people there, respect me, they call me Mr. Lamba uh, or something, good words they use. But this is not easy. So a 62-year-old company built by a high school graduate with no knowledge of the kind of culture that was there in Kuwait, no knowledge of the business environment, I think that speaks a lot. I, I don't know, but... Overall, because I feel that when there is a blessing from God and your honesty is there, you always get success. Okay. okay. But what people they think, I, I want to give my message to young generation that people they want to become millionaire overnight. Overnight, without the struggle. With a, which is not possible. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. struggle is there, but then the benefits are there also. Then. That is true. That is true. So now, sir, I also want to ask you about, uh, so if we are to see the 62-year-old company, I mean from one employee or two employees, yes. now uh, how, how many people now are you employing? we have employee? got almost 850 or 900. 850 giving and employment And we have got about 60, 800. 70 people in Dubai. Okay. So, so you have, have a branch. Say, uh, more so than nine, almost say 900 people. Almost 900 people uh, gaining employment from Al Melum Group, out of which about more than 800 people here in Kuwait. Yeah. So, uh, 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 Mr. Lambert, I want to take you back to the Iraq invasion. How oh. badly, how traumatic was that uh, it for was you? It was a bad experience. Okay. It was very bad experience. My son graduated from America, Choji uh, Lamba, uh, a mechanical engineer, and they came to Kuwait on the 1st of August in Kuwait okay. by British Airways from Delhi. Okay, so they came to join you here, yeah, yeah. your family. Family, they came and they were studying in America and, mm. they, and he got his degree, graduation okay. degree. And, but then on the second morning, First morning they came, and second morning we are in different country. That's right. And uh, the, I used to go up on the roof and see 
a lot of aeroplanes, a lot of helicopters with the guns and uh, they were all, so it was scary at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, it was quarter to six in the morning, six o'clock. It was 2nd August. That's right. And uh, well, that, but. Did you stay throughout or no, did you manage we, to? No, I, uh, actually I wanted to go and see my office after four or five days. Mm -hmm. And I had a new, brand new Ford car which I drove and I drove from my house missionary from here the same place. Mm -hmm. I drove about uh, three kilometers outside on the highway and then I was stopped by a Iraqi soldier mm -hmm. uh, and uh, with a gun and I stopped my car and they say is it leave this car here oh and my now God. you go by walking. So I just gave that car to him and I walked down. Okay but it's uh, thanks to God your life was saved. Yes sir you know? but he didn't shoot me. Okay. I was lucky. That's right. And, uh, but we had bad experience at that time. Uh, Tony Jashanmal, me, uh, also Shivi Basin uh, and others, uh, Sunny, uh, Sunny Matthews. We used to all look into things and go to the embassy and go and find how, how we can help people or do something. Mm -hmm. uh, that we've been doing. But then uh, some soldiers uh, with my some Indian old partner who was in spare part business. He brought those Iraqi soldiers in my house and uh, threatened me for my life. Mm -hmm. They were all with the guns. Arm of guns and all that and shouting in my house. And I had a grandson which was only three years old and started crying and all that. So I then decided that I don't want to live anymore. This, I told them that Mr. Malams are not in Kuwait, they are all in Spain now. Mm -hmm. And I, they said, no, no, you are one of the Malams and you must give us the keys, all your warehouses, wherever what you have. Mm -hmm. Then I called my people, uh, we gave them all the keys, everything. So they looted our company. Oh my God. So which means, did you at that point of time ever feel like giving up? No, we, we, I, I thought I must give up and then uh, we moved to, uh, I, I was, uh, we, uh, almost when they came to know my staff that I am leaving. So we went through Basra to That's Baghdad right. and uh, we were about 167 people, they followed me. I see. Because they said they want to come with they the boss. To, okay, so they went with so you. Because so, they, okay, so you went to India. At that point of time, did you feel like uh, giving up uh, al melam uh, tires? I mean, we thought that it's gone. It's gone. We thought it's gone. Uh -huh, okay. Uh, and we never, then, you know, I was having some export money, which was uh, a must write this story, mm. because it's a great story for others to mm -hmm. know mm. that, because I lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But when I used to export and some money, uh, people they used to owe me. Okay. Then I got some money in Dubai uh, in uh, September. Uh, I say after 20th of September, I was in Dubai. Okay. And I got about $432,000. I see. Then my wife said that I have got still money to come, it was almost 1.5, 1.6 million dollars mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. People were honest. I, I knew that those people will pay me. They will pay you. Pay me. Then I just 
because I thought that Malams they are staying in Spain. Spain and they might not be having cash. So why not I go and give them this cash? Okay. So then I went, flew to Spain and uh, I went to their house and I stayed with them two, three nights there and I gave them $400,000 out of $432,000. I kept for my expenses up and down, going here, there. So this was, and uh, that was, uh, and that, money I gave them almost before uh, you can say and uh, before the end of December when nobody knew that COVID will come or not come. Exactly. I so gave them, there is I your gave honesty, them sir. $990,000 still in my mind. $990,000 at a time when you had lost everything and I lost gone, everything. gone back to India and you didn't know whether you'd be coming back, back or right? not, but I and gave. you gave it to your partner, sir. And I think perhaps uh, uh, that is one thing that uh, our, uh, uh, well, our friends in Kuwait have to remember, you know, when, uh, when it comes to Indian people doing business and which is the, one of the reasons I think we enjoy a high popularity here in Kuwait because of our, one of the reasons but, is because but of But you know honesty. what happened then? Yeah. That, uh, when liberation happened, yeah. then I was in New Jersey living there. I, I had I a house in New Jersey so mm -hmm. with my family because my daughter also gave birth to a boy and okay. so there. And, but then uh, Mr. Fahad Al-Malam uh, called me in London. And he asked you to come back. And he said, Kuldeep, you have to come back. You just come back to London, meet me in London. I see. So I went and met him. Then. I met uh, also his friend, Mr. Saleh Farah, mm -hmm. write his name also. Saleh Farah. Uh, Mr. Saleh Farah, he was a BKME at that time bank. Okay, BKME, yes. He was a general manager. And uh, then they asked me, we know the company is totally lost. Yeah. Everything is looted. There's nothing. Yeah. So we want you to start business. Again. Restart again. Restart again. And then I said, but how I can start? Because we have no more money left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think anybody can give us money now mm -hmm. at this time. They said, no, you tell us how much money you need. Mm -hmm. Because the money which honesty, how it pays mm -hmm. and how it comes back, mm -hmm. this is a real good story. Yes. So then they said, how much money you need? I said, give me one day. Mm -hmm. We met second day mm -hmm. and uh, Abu Mubarak, Mr. Salefla was there and Mr. Fahad, me and and I said, I need at least $15 million mm -hmm. to start because it was a company. And That's right. So we need to procure uh, tires, uh, everything. Yeah. So then they said, okay, we will meet another two days time. So then Mr. Salefla called uh, uh, Ahli Bank in Dubai. I see. And they managed to get hold of a loan. And they gave, they gave me a letter. You go and single signatory myself, open account. Yeah. And you... You transfer the... Uh, no, they, they gave me uh, $5 million cash. Yeah. Then bank guarantees, then LCs and all that. They gave me all the facilities for $15 million. Well, wonderful story. Honesty, definitely, sir paid back in your case.
and it is a great story and uh, I hope that uh, young people out there are listening and hopefully learning. So, I think we need to take a short break now and we will be joined in the second half by Choji. Good. So, we will do that. Thank you. Welcome back to Sadaka and we have another very special guest with us now, uh, Choji Lamba and uh, I am so happy that he has joined us. Thank you so much uh, Choji for giving us your time. Right. Uh, I know you are very, very busy, very difficult to track you down as well. Uh, managing the COO of Al-Melam Group, the president of Al-Melam Group, uh, it is a, it's a, it's a heavy burden and so uh, thank you so much for giving us time. Thank you for having me on this uh, show of yours, Chitali. Uh, appreciate now, it. Choji also, again, I've known for some time now, and uh, uh, at present he is the president of the IBPC, and we are going to talk about that uh, organisation in a short while. But Choji, you're a second-generation Indian here in Kuwait. Uh, want to know what was it like to grow up in Kuwait? Um, so my experience, you know, one thing is that. You are born where you are born, right? Yeah. We have no control over that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Kuwait being such a diverse community, mm. all kinds of communities, so we have actually, you know, uh, life has taught us mm. how to work with everybody, mm -hmm. how to, you know, uh, appreciate uh, and accept everybody. Differences. You know, right, right from the school days, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, whether it was our, you know, community, uh, you know, born in Nogra, mm -hmm. right? and growing up there and playing football with the local kids, mm -hmm. Palestinians, Egyptians, Indians, Pakistanis. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, it, you know, life taught us. Uh, you grew you up know, as like a world citizen almost, right? All of us. Yeah. All of yeah. us. So, I think that has been the beauty of Kuwait, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the diversity that we have grown up with. What was Kuwait like in those days when you were growing up? Not, not Nothing like what it is now, right? No. No not entertainment forms of? Um, no, there was entertainment. Uh, there were, you know, there used to be actually more Indian shows used to come to Kuwait. I, I, I remember, yeah. Really? In those days, yeah. There okay. used to be uh, some kind of Indian shows and plays. First, we used to be organized. Then we had the Indian Art Circle. That's right. That was very uh, busy. That was a very uh, important part of our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, whether we played badminton there. Uh, you know, dad and mom uh, on, used to take us there for our weekend activities. A weekend used to be housey, bingo. <laughs> okay. You know. Uh, so, it was a community kind of a center. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was, and again, that was a real cocktail because you had, uh, you know, whole pan-India. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't yes. matter whether you're a Punjabi or a Keralite or a Tamilian or a Bori. Everybody was there. Yeah, all Indians. Yeah, that's it was right. awesome. Yeah. And what was your association like with uh, the local people here in Kuwait? Uh, that happened personally to me when we moved to Mishraf. Okay. You know, uh, here we were still kids. Uh, I was a teenager, both my brother and I, we were both teenagers. And uh, we made quite a few friends in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, from then, our Kuwaiti friendship has actually grown. Mm -hmm. So now, we've got a big uh, group of friends here. Okay, that's nice. And uh, so we meet often, mm -hmm. uh, of course, you know, 
socialize, mm -hmm. you know, celebrate birthdays. <laughs> yes, and they love Indian food, don't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and we love, you know, the Kuwaiti food. And yeah. honestly, they are very warm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the connection, the communication or the love and affection we have uh, with these friends of ours, it's very solid. Yes, that's, yeah. that's good to know. And uh, looking back, uh, you know, if I were to ask you, uh, having been born here, spent your childhood here, grown up here, and now living here with your family, what is Kuwait to you? It's surely home. It's home, right? Yeah. And then, so you're a second generation Indian. You have, you're educated in the West. You have a very different way, I think, of looking at things, doing things. So uh, how challenging was it to, or how challenging was it and is it to run a successful business here? See, the thing is, uh, not only for me, for any family uh, patriarch who have actually, you know, set up a business, the minimum we have to do is maintain that. That's right. Yeah, and then yeah. take it forward uh -huh. or, or upward or what, mm. whatever one may call it. Uh, one thing, you know, coming with my, uh, my own academic uh, education is that, you know, to structure it more uh, or organize it more better, structure it better. Professionally. Uh, well, there's not much professionalism mm. <laughs> in Kuwait, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, to 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 organize in such a way that it becomes more system driven, mm. and to you know cut the speed breakers out wherever we can to remove the bottlenecks mm. to make it as efficient as possible. Okay, that I've done. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I brought in a lot of those, you know, changes. You see, the thing is, you know, whatever Dad has created is on a very solid uh, ethos, mm -hmm. right, of, of values and principles. Uh, and the trust that people have in us mm. in delivering our products and services, mm -hmm. right? So that was the minimum. Okay. You know, so mm. you maintain that. You know, maneuver yeah. the other things. Uh, so that has not been changed. Okay. The ethos has not been changed. I see. You know. And uh, you, in particular, because uh, I have worked with uh, you on certain on certain things, and one of them is, if I remember correctly, was your emphasizing on green energy and introducing uh, changes to the business you know on sustainability tell us about that how I mean, were you able to do that so we uh, you know uh, my uh, dad mr lamba and uh, his partner mr fahad al melam yeah so th it was a decision between them mm -hmm. uh, you know that uh, we there's an opportunity to do a used tire recycling facility mm -hmm. so we took on the challenge and uh, uh, it took us time to figure out how to run it, mm. to be fair, because, you know, uh, we are a, a typical automotive product distribution company, right? So moving on to the industry, although I must say that I have passed industry experience for about 10 years, mm -hmm. it wasn't so difficult to understand the industry, but it was a challenge given the Kuwait atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of things happened before we got it right, but now it's, it's running well. I see. That's that's good, yeah. and I, I you did mention Mr. Lamba uh, about Indian Community School, and I know for uh, for a fact that you have been involved in education, not only in Kuwait but also in India. Yes, sir. So I just wanted to ask you about that. I mean, uh, tell us about your your association, your work in education. No, you know, because my mind was always to help anywhere I can do in education because mm. I could not get That's right. higher education. Mm. Only 10 plus 2 mm. was my base. Mm -hmm. But I was after education mm. always. And then one day my nephew 
in Meerut, which is in UP also, mm. uh, came to me and asked me, Uncle, you have done so much, do something for me. Then I asked him what you want to do. He said, I want to make a school. <laughs> and he said, let me cut it short. Then we started a school. And today, by the grace of God, that school is in limelight. And we got 5,500 students there. Oh, very good. And it's a big, it's a 10 acres of land. Mm -hmm. It's a huge school. And luckily, the results are also uh, up to the mark. Mm -hmm. So those things are there. But in Kuwait, I was in Indian school, board member in Jabria Indian school. I was a board member with Joe Montero. And then for many years, I used to be a Indian school senior member for this community school. For the community school. Mm. And yes. as I mentioned, the community school in particular, with so many branches in Kuwait, has now grown from that one room, uh, like four or five students, to like thousands of students yeah, uh, that now. That right? I told you. Yes, which you said. Now, uh, Mr. Lamba, this I'd like to ask you this. I mean, in especially in the last two or three years, during COVID, during lo lockdown, uh, I mean, you have seen Kuwait evolve from, uh, you know, pre-oil Kuwait to what it is now today. 62 years, right? 62. Yeah, 62 years in business. In business. And you've been longer here in Kuwait. I am 65 years. 65 years in Kuwait. And uh, we have seen a kind of language during the COVID times uh, regarding expatriate, which, which was a little distressing because, uh, uh, I mean, for people who have toiled, who have put in their blood and sweat and uh, efforts, um, hard work uh, into a country, into building something, whether they are managing businesses, whether they are professionals, how, how distressing was that as an expatriate? Uh, still, when we read sometimes things about, uh, sometimes news is always coming about expatriates, expatriates, and uh, residents. Now, if, then it is little depressing. Mm -hmm. But still, because living all those years in a country, I, I am not a person that, I am a person who always take challenge. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I feel that still, this is my home country. And then, I'll, although I lived all my life here. Mm -hmm. You see, I am now 83, and 65 years living in this country. That's right. So for me, this is my country, this is my home. And uh, I have good relations with Kuwaitis, with Indians, with all foreigners. Correct. And uh, I respect people and people, they respect me also. Mm -hmm. uh, only things is that sometimes the laws every day, there's a new law coming for expatriates. Everything is new. Uh, it is little, little depressing, but I am taking another challenge of life. Let it come and we will we'll face on. it. And what about you as a second generation Indian, Shoji? What does that feel like? Like, uh, you know, my dad explained, it is a, you know, uh, you know, it is confusing. Yeah. It is, it is, it is, uh, you know, challenging to understand that, uh, you know, so my, my thought is very simple. For any, any company or organization or country run, you need ta talent. Yeah. And you need talent at all levels, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, if you don't have talent, mm -hmm. how are you going to run the place? Mm -hmm. You know, regardless, and the talent has no boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like COVID had no boundaries. That's right. No yeah. nationality, no, yeah. You yeah. know, 
uh, you can have any nationality, any religion, any 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 age. You know, mm -hmm. talent has no boundaries. That's right. I agree with you, and that I suppose is a recognition that has to. I mean, that has to be recognized. Correct. That has to be recognized at all levels. Correct. Now, Choji, you're the president of IBPC. Tell us about the organization and its importance here. So, IBPC, Indian Business and Professional Council, was created almost 20 years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, the very actually. Uh, uh, what you call the uh, veterans in Kuwait, mm -hmm. <laughs> who created this organization, uh, was with the idea to have a connectivity between the Indians and the Kuwaitis mm -hmm. uh, through having a, you know some sort of a, a dialogue, uh, doing some events together, and uh, so we have actually continued on that since I became an office bearer about seven years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm continuing on the same process. You know, um, we continue to have you know. Uh, like for example, the uh, bringing in uh, Indian cultural music mm -hmm. into Kuwait, mm -hmm. okay? because you know that's a very you can say uh, 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 you know a, a point of connectivity other than the Bollywood yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, a binding factor. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that is a very you know spiritual music mm -hmm. uh, of sorts, right. right? So that brings a different level of connectivity mm -hmm. for the people, and that is you know cuts across any age groups. Exactly. Right. Then bringing in you know good speakers from mm -hmm. India. Uh, now we, in fact, we've also brought in some good Kuwaiti speakers into the forum, okay. you know, and we always have uh, uh, both our Indian diaspora here and the, you know, invited Kuwaiti, some members as well to join in the, uh, these events okay. and, uh, you know, to have a talk, to have a Q&A session. Uh, and the idea is to, you know, keep maintaining that, okay. keep working on that because, see, this, this connectivity is not something that it's, okay, you do this and you stop. Mm -hmm. It's know, an ongoing process. Yeah, you know, and yes, that's, that's and then we look forward to more. Uh, you know, because the COVID during the COVID situation, everything kind of died down. IBPC is one of the organizations which has really fostered cultural ties and by bringing in some very very well known names who we have lost today, Indian, in the field of Indian classical music, and they have tried to build the cultural bonds between India and Kuwait. Now. Um, I again want to go back to talking about expatriates and this will be my last question to the both of you before we go to our last section which is Ahla and Kuwait. <laughs> so uh, what I want to ask you is we have hundreds and thousands of Indians who live here and who have been working for sometimes some like you for 65 years and some like you know maybe one or two years. How do you see the contribution to the development of this country? That well, country actually needs skilled people mm -hmm. and uh, we also trying to get more skilled people even in our company mm -hmm. so this this is the way you can grow more because you buy some experience by or more educated people get uh, even the fitters now we try to get that they are well educated they, okay. they have some background, trained. So, trained and well, there is a background from them also, not just labor class, but That's those, right. but other class also. And so, I, I totally, uh, it's, I think uh, majority will agree with you on that account. And so now I think we'll uh, end the program on a slightly happier note. <laughs> and to do that, we will uh, go to Helen Kuwait. And so I'm going to ask you a set of like five questions to the both of you. It's this is like a fun part, informal part. So if I were to ask you, Mr. Lamba, 
what is your favorite memory of Kuwait? What would that be? Favorite memory? I have a lot of memories in Kuwait. Okay. A favorite place in Kuwait, suppose. Favorite place? It used to be Jabri restaurant in Sharaf Ahd Salim. I see. And I still remember that I used to go and have early morning my breakfast and then a kanafa. A kanafa. A Lebanese. Uh, I, this uh, Jabri restaurant was very famous oh, at see. that time. Okay. And that my memory is still there. But anyhow, now there are a lot of restaurants. That in is Kuwait. true. That is true. And, and the thing yes, has changed now. Everything has changed. Choji, what about you? Favorite spot in Kuwait? So to me, the the the, the memories that I sort of still remember is you know going to the beach. Okay. With uh, mom and dad and family friends and uh, you know. Uh, Mom, they, I mean moms, all the moms, you mm. know, aunties and all, uh, preparing biryanis. Oh, okay. So and, you ate. And, and yeah, had we, a picnic. Yeah, we just, the, the beach picnic was to me one of the best things. And we had so many times. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was, okay. okay. We've we used not to go done in a, uh, I used to get a bus. Dad used to get sometimes a company bus. Company okay. bus. And, and go was, on a beach yeah, picnic. Yeah, go to the beach. And, and, you know, just have a good fun day. How wonderful. That's, that's nice, a beach picnic. <laughs> something Kuwaiti you love to eat, Mr. Lamba. Kuwaiti food. Kuwaiti food is majboos. You like majboos? Uh, I, I like that uh, because mostly uh, in Ramadan evening I go for iftar. Okay, okay. For Diwani and mm -hmm. Melam or some friends. But there I like to eat. They give a lamb mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes fish or chicken, but mostly lamb and rice. And, and that is what you like. They give you with their hands and you eat with your own hands. Not a love that I love it. Yes, yeah. wonderful. That's a very yeah. nice, that even is. a very nice memory, special memory. What about you, Choji? What is something Kuwaiti you like to eat? Uh, the fish at Mubarakia. The fish at Mubarakia. Yeah, very nice. Fish, right? <laughs> Ever yeah. since Mubarakia has, you know, been redeveloped and made such a, you know, beautiful uh, Sort of destination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, the fish that, market is the fish market. There is something that's, uh, that's one of my you know all-time favorites. Yes. Okay. And uh, a Kuwaiti you great, greatly admire, uh, Mr. Lamba. Some a Kuwaiti who you like a lot. Some Kuwaitis are my very old good friends. Okay. And uh, whenever we meet, we joke a lot. We laugh a lot. Okay. And we remember old memories and things. But there's you have to choose one. <laughs> My one is Mr. Fahad Al-Melam. Okay, Mr. Fahad Al-Melam, that's someone you admire. Okay, and what about you, Chuji? Same for me. Oh, really? Uncle Fahad, yeah. Okay. He's just a, he's just, a, you know, like a, he's a lighthouse. He's a lighthouse. He's a lighthouse. You, you know, and his beacon is always on, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Very alert, very loving, mm -hmm. very caring, you know, uh, and always wisdom. Okay. Full of wisdom. Wise. Very okay. wise. Wonderful. Know. And if you were to take a gift from Kuwait, Mr. Lamba, what would it be? We used to carry always a dao. A dao. You used to carry yeah. a, dao. a dao. Yes, yes. Anywhere we go, yeah. we give them dao and okay. they are all very happy to see. Even in Japan or in Korea, okay. I have given so many I gifts see. Yes, That's a very popular gift, right, yeah, from Kuwait? This is Kuwaiti. a Kuwaiti gift, yes. which is known to. Yes. What uh, about you, Choji? I, to me, it's, it's their love and affection. Okay. The hospitality. Uh -huh. You know, over the years, the Kuwaiti friends that we've made, whenever we are with them at their homes, my God, I mean, the amount, they, the way they serve you. Yeah, I know. That comes with a lot of affection. Oh, and, and you know, they're, it's so, wow, you know. Yeah. Very, very, very caring. Very, but, but very my hospitable. But qu my question was a gift that you would take from Kuwait. So the gift would be... Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
I'm not sure what gift I could take is those, those memories. Those memories, okay. And uh, a Kuwaiti word or an Arabic word, which is uh, your favorite? Okay, okay. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> I see. What about you, Choji? Same. Uh, they're, 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 you know, they're, like I said, their hospitality, right? Yeah. The way they my accent is also a little bit Kuwaiti. Correct. Yes, and his is. Uh, uh <laughs> no. Wobbly. <laughs> a bit wobbly. A bit wobbly. Okay. Thank you so much to the both of you for for giving us time for being on this show. It was a real pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you, Mr. Lamba Senior and Mr. Lamba Junior. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.